0: I'm your host, Lawrence Stone, and tonight we're joined by Dr. Amelia Judson. Originally from Bokengate, Gate, where her family has lived for over 100 years, she decided at the age of 12 that dentistry was for her. She graduated from CSU in Orange, where she discovered her musical talents in DJing around the campus. She even played at the Future Music Festival on her 20th birthday. However, the club scene wasn't for her and soon after graduating joined Smile Solution Collins Street in Melbourne before eventually transitioning back to Sydney to work at FY Smile in Double Bay. Her special interest lies in cosmetic dentistry and facial aesthetics. In her eyes, it is the perfect combination of science, engineering, medicine and art to enhance the smile to create the best version of self that a person presents to the world. Dr. Amelia Judson, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I need to take you around as like my heart wherever we go. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, he's so here's a girl from the small country town of Bokengate. You know, of around eight three hundred people decides to go into dentistry at CSU, self funds her degree by starting a business as a DJ at the age of eighteen, and then goes on to becoming signed and play a future music festival within two years on your twentieth birthday. So let's talk about your undergrad dental life for a second.
1: Um, it was it was a, it was a wild time. Um, I feel like it's interesting when I look back at it, because I think at the time a lot of my classmates would have been like, what the hell are you doing? But when I look back at it, it actually makes a lot of sense in terms of where I've ended up in regards to the skills that I learned through DJing. So for example, social media, marketing, um, also like how to work with people because when you're working with a crowd and like managing people they're coming up drunk asking for stupid requests learning how to be like that's nice um but I don't have it on my laptop sorry (laughs) so yeah no it was good it was um it was a juggling act at times especially in the latter years because when you're flying sort of interstate or back and forth to Sydney with gigs not a lot of sleep on weekends like I'd play a set from like I don't know one till three it was um Interesting, but I loved it. It was fun while it lasted. And then I got to the point where I was like, Yeah, it's time to retire. I need my weekends back. I would like Saturdays for golf. That would be nice.
0: (laughs) But come on. I mean, like, who would have thought of starting, you know, a business at that point or even DJing at that point of 18 and then you know, using that to fund it? That's that's definitely different for a lot of people who are probably just going in and then they're just they're not working, they're just studying on it, but It was
1: good. It was one of those things that I think you become, when you're so used to going out and working when everyone else is partying, it changed the way that I saw clubbing. So unless I was being paid to be there, I didn't really want to be there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was good. It was a really interesting experience in terms of learning a lot about business and how to run a business too, because dentistry, as much as we do or don't like it, it's a business at the end of the day in the way that we structure things as well. And so we need to keep that in mind whilst giving the best outcomes possible for patients.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Do you want to be a dentist in the morning and DJ at night?
1: (laughs) I used to be. Um, I come out of retirement a couple of times a year. So our FY Smile end of year Christmas party, I come out. Um, (laughs) I come out of retirement from Melbourne Cup as well. And I'm actually potentially going to teach Dr. Yasmin how to DJ because he got a set of decks for his 50th birthday last year. So I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'll do a live stream in the future. We'll see.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good um so is it true that you've had a media video, video titled me plus csu equals the superhuman
1: oh. <laughs> um I, I don't really like to publicly make that <laughs> i actually don't know where it is it's somewhere in cyberspace do not go looking for it um, <laughs> it's an experience When i try and explain to people i'm like yeah it's kind of a cross between gangnam style james bond and a dentist they're like like, what were you, what are you talking about? Um, Yeah, I was a little bit, I'm still a loser, but I was definitely a bit of a loser back
0: then. (laughs) It's all good, it's all good. We all have our past, you know, but uh, we all have
1: skeletons in the closet, as they say. That's right,
0: that's right. What's a spiffy time?
1: I haven't used that word in so long. A spiffy time is like, it's just like a good and classy time, like, it's a, a good time, but like, in a, a nice way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Open Dictionary, I'm sure that probably will come up with a weird weird definition, but yeah.
0: <laughs> Did that have anything to do with how you um, you were getting the regional scholarship at CSU?
1: Yeah, well, that was a massive help for me, um, especially <laughs> like it was very useful in first year because you have so many costs associated. I don't think a lot of people realize this until they start dentistry. You have your loops, you have your instruments, like it's a number of thousands of dollars to actually buy the stuff that you need to be able to be doing the course that you're doing. And you don't have the option to choose other suppliers necessarily. You have to go through the recommended one because to be honest, they do give you a good discount in what they're offering you. Um, So yeah, that was a massive, massive help back when I was starting off because I wasn't quite fully formed as a DJ yet. So (laughs) definitely helpful, even though I had to dance my little pants off for it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no nah, that's all that's all good it's all good um I mean I remember those days where we were out to cut through all the tooth um models and then that would cost a lot so yeah, yeah those um yeah.
1: the the what are the models called Misson. I was having this discussion with someone the other day I was like you should start a business like printing little like off market <laughs> not that I said that but
0: <laughs> <laughs> business idea like, just ran out pop. into the world
1: <laughs> yeah 13 dollars a pop that's like a Two beverages at the bar night. Seriously. Exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> and then if you just nick the next one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're heavy into cosmetic dentistry and facial aesthetics. Tell us about your CPD journey so far.
1: So I've had a mixed bag. I feel like it's one of those things with cosmetic dentistry. You have to look at it in a very holistic way, even though you're just focusing on from what the patient thinks, the front area. Um, and I think... That's a massive thing that you learn with digital workflows. So like we have a very strong digital base. Um, I feel like particularly working with Dr. Fadi, he is a bit of a unicorn, which is really interesting to see. Like you have to be strong in a lot of different facets or have a strong relationship with somebody else to outsource to. Um, So in his case, like being amazing with sort of the gum grafting surgical side of things and the reconstructive implant side of things, looking at the orthodontic positioning, looking at the actual like constructive veneer side of things looking at the bite like it's really multifactorial and I think sometimes we can be looking at cases and being like oh wow like that looks straightforward it's like no like massive Dunning-Kruger effect where the more you know about cosmetic dentistry the more you're like oh my god I, I really don't know like there's so much that I don't know like it's crazy so yeah I think it's been a case of picking things that I think are at my level of what I need to know. So for example, I did a really good course earlier this year um, with Dr. Juliana, uh, Julia Annas, sorry, (laughs) Um, in Melbourne actually, and it was in Botox. Um, I feel like filler is one, I've had this discussion with a couple of people I feel like filler is such an art form, you need to do it a lot to be very good at it. And especially working in double Bay, most people already have their plastic surgeon who does their filler for them. Um, But with Botox for us, it's very important, especially with cases, for example, like all on four cases, um, as you're retraining the proprioception of the jaw, being able to relax those masseters and the temporalis and those things that cause a lot of force as the brain sort of figuring out, okay, what's going on down here? That's a useful skill to have. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. You need to figure out the building blocks and where you're at as well. Like if you're going to go out and do a full-blown extensive course of all on four or of like a full mouth rehab and you've been out for six months, great. You're going to learn a lot about what's possible, but you may not actually be at the stage where that's a reasonable thing to be thinking about doing on people.
0: Fair enough. So you're saying... um... I mean, so, so how did you start then through that process? So you started with, you know, the ortho, the injectables, like and yeah. how would you just stru- suggest to structure it?
1: I think I was really, really blessed to start off with by the fact that I did start with Smart Solutions in Melbourne because the way that Kia, who is the practice owner, structured it was there's 40 chairs. It's a vertical system of every single specialist in the dental book um and so as a new grad that was really interesting to see someone who comes in as a consult just with a general dentist you're figuring out okay what do they want what do they need and then who's the relevant person to then refer off to to make that happen so it then becomes a case of like very comprehensive complex dentistry but all in the one space and a lot of people talking to each other um so from a learning perspective it's like dipping your toes in and seeing, okay well this is different areas in which to focus on so To begin with i think people always talk about communication courses which i do think are really really important i've actually never done an official communication course but i learned a lot from watching my colleagues so um two dentists in particular who i worked with down there who were very very good at it were dr fiona kelly and dr o'rourke anthony o'rourke and then there's also dr ivana timmerman who's an endodontist there who's very good she's like very zen for an endodontist when people go in stressed out of their mind about having a root canal, she's just like the most calming presence. Just to be like everything's going to be okay. This is what's happening. And that's all right. We'll go down this road. She's great. Um, but yeah, I learn a lot from just watching other people and training in that way. Um, and then there's a lot of great sort of early on courses in terms of dipping your toes in and then figuring out which direction. So um like the there's like Young Dentist Hub, there's general dental residency. um, And I think they're structured to be very good for people who are earlier on in their career. I think I was listening to the talk with the podcast the other day and someone was mentioning you can do a course but sometimes it's like a little bit too beyond where you're actually at, which is not a bad thing because it's really important to have a good general idea. Even if you're referring people out of what is possible and what is appropriate and what the options are, but sometimes you're just not at that point yet to be like, yeah, let's take in, take a go at this, see what happens.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, some of the viewers probably don't know, but you've got a diploma of communication.
1: Yeah, that was a weird, it was, it was good. Um, basically, I did throughout high school, this thing called, it's called speech and drama, but it's basically like public speaking. Um, it was maybe like 12 years of when I looked back at it, I was like, yeah, that was a pretty lengthy time. Um, and so I ended up doing a thesis, the most random thesis ever about styles of communication. And my three people that I chose were Dr. Zeus, Oprah and Adolf Hitler. Okay. I don't know how that, yeah, super random, but they all had very different styles in the way they would communicate with people. Um, and I think everyone has such a different style. I know a lot of people say like prime speak is really, really good. Um, I think there are so many different ways that work for different people's personality types. And it also depends on who you're speaking to on the other end of the patient. Like you can't take a cookie cutter approach and go to everyone and think that it's going to work because that's just not how people are. Um, you need to listen. Listening is like a very important skill to learn. A lot of people think that they do, but. They don't necessarily really hear. They hear what they want to think a lot of the time, I think. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those situations you learn other people's styles, test it out, see what you're doing well and what could be improved. Um, say, for example, like Dr. Fadi, when he comes in and speaks to a patient, a lot of the time people have sought him out specifically. So he'll just tell them what they need and they're like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Whereas people who are earlier in their career, you have to build that rapport and that trust and also convey the value of what you're doing and I think you yourself actually have to believe in the value of what you're doing because as a new grad it's pretty confronting going from like treatment planning a $50 filling at university and then all of a sudden that $50 filling is now a $300 filling and you're like oh I, I don't know like this is a weird uncomfortable leap to make I'm still doing the same thing but the value of my time is very different now um, yeah so it's one of those things I think working on your clinical competence will change your ability to convey and communicate a lot too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then that transition from that, you know, 300 to 30,000 kind of treatment plan. That's
1: yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing. The first cosmetic case that I did like that in um, Melbourne was actually with Dr. Fiona Kelly. And I had this case I knew what it needed but I just said to her I actually don't feel comfortable having that conversation and I don't know how to have that conversation like that's a big thing to say to someone and so she was really amazing and generous in her time and she said look I'm more than happy to treatment plan it with you sit down have that conversation make sure everybody's on the same page and work through with you to do the clinical aspect of it too so I think the people that you have around you have a really huge impact in being able to learn and helping you spread your little wings that are slowly growing to fly.
0: So, I mean, I think we've kind of dabbled in it, but of all those CPDs, what's had the biggest clinical impact on your dentistry today? Um,
1: I think I'm in a very unique perspective, uh, perspective, situation in the sense yeah. of the practice that I work in, which I feel very, very blessed to be within. Um, so a lot of the time, like uh, Dr. Yasmin's, obviously a, Key opinion leader for digital smile design. So I'm being taught every day, I, I, I act as his shadow essentially in a lot of stuff that we do with All and Four and DSD. Um, so a lot of the courses that I do are to bolster things that I'm learning within. Um, but with that said, there are fundamentals that have been very, very useful. So I wasn't a person to jump straight into, oh, I'm going to go do this veneer course or I'm going to do XYZ. Um, I think I looked at it in terms of what am I going to actually use on a regular basis because it's one thing to do a course and do it out of the love and the passion but I look at it and sort of say okay in the next 12 months how much value would this bring to my patients and what I'm doing from a day to day perspective so um, one course that really stands out to me that is really good um, because I knew a lot about the digital workflow, but I didn't know how to do Seric. I was like, oh yeah, like I understand it, but I've never actually done it. Um, and so uh, the Seric files team, Dr. Lawrence Lau and um, Dr. Alistair Graham, they're really, really good. They do them in a couple of different cities, I believe. Um, but it was great because I've all this complex stuff all the time, but I didn't have the fundamentals there necessarily to build out. And also just like problem solving being able to design stuff digitally and then mill it and print it in house really quickly is a very useful thing. Um, and it can shift the way that you treatment plan stuff, even as like temporary measures. Um, for example, we were treatment planning something with um, Dr. Fadi the other day and we were saying he was we were trying to figure out how many appointments the station we would need. and he wants to do like a bite lift essentially and we were sort of trying to figure out do we get them to do it and then come back and cement like what's the process and I said well now that I know how to actually design how about you do the prep to start off with I'll go away design them mill them bring them back to you and then you can do it on the same day like it makes it so much more flexible and easy and you can be really nimble on your feet to do stuff so that was a very very useful course and one that I actually feel like well, I know I've already been using it a lot. Like, it's interesting. And they've got two as well, which is good. I haven't done the second one yet, but it's on the list of things to do. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's one of the really good ones. I I'm, I'm tend to agree with a lot of people when they say you have those big courses where, like, there's a lot of people speaking. They're sort of more like the greatest hits of dentistry. They're very inspirational, but you don't, like... I try to be positive, but I'm always like, oh, I'm surely there's something that could come out of this. Um, but it's more like a teaser and a taster of like, where are you headed? What are you interested in? Having said that, though, sometimes it can make you realize, oh, I didn't think that I really found that area fascinating. And now that I've heard like a really passionate speaker talk about it for an hour and a half, maybe I am. Maybe I'm more open to it. So, yeah, it's cool.
0: Cool. So, I mean, we kind of dabbled in it a little bit already, but for a lot of new and recent graduates that they're heavy in social media and they're in that period where they're kind of transitioning from their personal social life to a more professional dental presence. And they look at cosmetic dentistry as it's the be on and end all. you know, they want to create these beautiful, aesthetic porcelain smiles. And as someone who's gone through that transition and now into cosmetic dentistry, you know, what would you say to some of these graduates? I mean, we talked about the highlight reels and, you know, it's not all that in six months time, but
1: yeah, I think it's a very interesting space. And I, um, ha- I had this conversation a lot with a couple. I've got a group of girlfriends that I catch up with from various different universities who graduated at the same time. And I think we sort of came to the conclusion that it's a very double-edged sword. So, like, it's awesome in terms of inspiring you to see what you can achieve. Um, but it's kind of similar in the respect of, like, you have all these, like, big booted Instagram baddies out there angles lighting photoshop it can be very similar in dentistry and I didn't realize this probably until like the last 12 months that it is not uncommon for people to photoshop their work and like most photography courses or books that you read they explain to you how to do it the level of retouching like you never know what's actually going on in the background Um, and I think it's well just like the pure amount of work that people appear to be pumping through is quite interesting as well like I feel like sometimes you can get this feeling of, oh yeah, I've issued five sets of Invisalign and I've done two full mouth rehabs and an all on four upper arch. It's not even lunchtime yet. And having worked with like, Fadi is amazing at what he does seeing the time and like the painstaking work and planning that goes into it. He'll happily sit there for six to seven hours, just doing surgically guided preps um, because that's the time that you need to put in to get exceptional results and so I think sometimes it's easy to be like oh like you compare your challenging days where you're really not struggling necessarily but like you you're not creating these crazy pieces of art um and be like oh I'm why am I not like that and it's like well most people aren't like that on a daily basis either it's it's the highlights and that's fine like we really always should be striving towards something better. Um, but I think it's also being realistic about what is achievable because it can be really disheartening and you sort of like, well, what hope do I have? But like, as long as you're comparing yourself to yesterday in terms of your clinical abilities and know that you're doing the best you can for your patients, like that's the important part. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the are in and, you know, it's all over Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Everyone wants the quick fix now, you know? Has your views changed of what it was initially to what it has now or?
1: I think it's really important, the education piece of it. Like it's interesting when I talk to friends who are non-dental friends, they know how to pick a really bad set of veneers, but they don't necessarily have the education around what is good and what is considered a good treatment plan. Um, And so I think as well, like we as dentists, we often like to post our work, which is great, but for the average patient, they don't really care. Like to be honest, they're like, okay, cool. Like, that's a massive blood and bone and things. I don't really know what I'm looking at. Um, and so, like, from an inspirational, aspirational side of things, that's great. But the education piece of, like, what is considered a good option, like, some of the trends you see on TikTok, is, it's just crazy. Like, I yeah. sit there and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is literally a hot dumpster fire. What are you doing? Um, yeah, I think especially for young people because I always explain like even the best, most beautiful done veneers in the world, they don't last forever. Like whether it be the glue or the like glue that I explained to them, um, breaks down or the tooth underneath gets soft or you medically change. Like it's very similar. Again, I work in double Bay. I liken it (laughs) to if you get a boob job done, you're going to have to replace them in 15, 20 years time. It's just how it is. it is, the biological cost. And it's the same with teeth. It's one of those things. If you start when you're 21, you go down that road, you want to be damn sure you want to keep going down it. And in some cases, it's totally appropriate. In other cases, it's like, well, the thing that makes me the saddest actually is when you see on Instagram someone's before photos and you're like, actually, they were nicer than the after. Like that really breaks my heart. I'm like, oh God. Um, But then it can be an incredibly transformative thing. And it's, I think, coupling a couple of different treatment modalities and making patients understand too that, It's not just like a snap your fingers and we're there. Like 90% of cases we deal with are orthodontics, Invisalign before veneers. And a lot of the time they're like, oh, do I really need it? And it's, I think that's the beauty of digital workflow as well is you can show them a mock-up of like before Invisalign if you were to do veneers and after Invisalign if you were to do veneers. And they can physically see that difference in their mouth and they're like, Oh, yeah, that makes more sense because they might think they have straight teeth, but it's like, well, we're trying to limit the amount of camouflaging and limit the amount of tooth structure that we're actually physically removing because at this stage, the technology that we have, we can't grow that back. We kind of only get one shot with that. So we want to make sure that we're pretty particular about how we do that.
0: Or it might just be you know restructuring it into the right position. They just look a bit off, but it just needs to be in the right place, right?
1: Yeah, and you see some amazing work. I've seen so many great cases of bonding by people on Instagram, where like they do some whitening, they do a bit of bonding here and there, and you're not going down this road where it's like, okay, we're committed now. Um, like we often get cases coming to us who are having redos done because they're not actually that happy with the result, and when you take the veneers off and you see what's left, it's heartbreaking because you're like, oh, well, now, like we've just got to work with what we have, but this was not really planned that well. So I think planning is like a really big thing in, in, within that.
0: Space, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I've got an interesting quote from an interesting poet, you know. She said, you know, my, <laughs> my patients and their mouths share some of their deepest, darkest secrets to tell me about the challenges they are faced. Does that sound familiar?
1: <laughs> I don't know about poets. Um, maybe I should start trying to be a rapper. No, that would, that would not end well. I'm, I'm not, no. You've got the um, beats. You've got the beats. I've got the beats, but I I would always have to get other people to MC because I don't like my voice over microphone. I don't think it's like deep enough or, I don't know, it just sounds weird. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah. yeah no i think it's one of those things and that's the thing that i love about dentistry and i think all those dentists out there who've had those moments with patients where you know that you've genuinely changed somebody's life with what you've done like that's a pretty cool superpower um and especially like working in the oral all-on-four realm um like every friday we tend to do like inserts and i'm always there just crying and cheers with them because i'm like this is really beautiful Like the stories that you hear of where they sort of come from and how they've ended up like that or even back when i was on placement um i was saying to you before i was on placement in penrith which was an experience um but like people who have been through some really rough shit basically and like whether it be addiction or like life just handed them a really crappy set of cards and they look at themselves and it's hard to sort of rise out of that and be like, yes, like I'm going to make a change and I, I'm worthy and I'm valuable to like put myself first. When you see a monster looking back in the mirror and I'm not being rude about it, it's just a fact of like when you've got decaying teeth and things are falling out and like we've had patients who literally stick teeth back in with super glue, like that's not a way to live. It's really sad. Um, and then they have something that changes and they can see so for the first time looking back at them in a mirror, oh, this is the person that... I've always felt inside, I just haven't been able to outwardly show to people, it's really special. And I think it's, yeah, the instant change of like, you have the surgery done and then three days later you put the teeth in, but it's also the six months after, the follow-ups, the upkeep, seeing how they change the way they dress, they change the way they bring themselves to the world, they've got a new partner, they've gone for that job promotion. Like, psychosocially teeth have such a huge impact. It's, It's crazy and it's really amazing to see how it changes the way that people bring themselves to the world
0: fair enough fair enough now we're talking about deep dark secrets but have you come across any i mean do you have you know some of your struggles or dilemmas that you've come across during your dental journey
1: indefinitely um burnout hugely so um yeah it's one of those things i don't know like maybe people would have suspected it potentially i don't know but um basically i was going really hard the first two years out of university like i was working six days a week i was spending sundays shooting content and i ended up having like a full-blown like quarter-life crisis when i was 23 i was like what am i doing like i'm not happy like this is it wasn't dentistry at the end of the day i think it was just my perception of and it was interesting like similarly when i played at future music festival when you hit a goal and it doesn't make you happy you're like oh What's going on? I thought I was meant to be happy when I achieved this. Um, And so I just started like resenting what I was doing for a long time. And I ended up sort of stepping back and doing like a lot of searching within myself and dabbled in a bit of marketing for a while, which was cool. I moved back to Sydney because it was just one of those situations where I'd had a relationship breakdown in in Melbourne and I'd stuck around for a while, but I was quite a bit closer to my family again. And I just need to take a breather away away from what I'm doing. Um, and I ended up coming back and I was working like two and a half days a week, which I think is really awesome with dentistry because... You can have that ability to step away and not work quite as much, but still live a reasonable lifestyle. Um, And then, interestingly enough, when I was doing the marketing side of things, Nicola, who's our practice manager and business manager at FY Smile, I think she'd been stalking me for a little while. And she (laughs) reached out being like, oh, hey, I want to talk to you about marketing. And at this stage, FY was still like in the pipeline and she was telling me what was planned and Turns out she never actually wanted any marketing advice from me. She was just like, I just wanted a reason to talk to you so I could get a feel for you. And then that's when they reached out and said, do you want to come on board with the team? We're starting a practice in Double Bay. And I was like, "Uh, yes, that would be amazing. And I, in the last 12 months, have really fallen back in love with dentistry. And I really am very grateful for the team around me for that. Like they're very passionate people. And like Fadi's just crazy. He'll send me like 5.30 on a Sunday morning, a picture of a case being like, look at this. And I'm like, it's 5.30 on a Sunday morning, but I love it. Yes, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think the biggest thing that I learned was it's as cheesy as it sounds, it's the journey. You have to love the journey because otherwise it's not worth it. Like no destination is going to make it worth it. And I feel very blessed within dentistry to have found that again, because a lot of my friends who work in other industries they're like, yeah, I'm there for the paycheck. Like I'm doing this. I, I work to live. I don't live to work. But I think you can find a healthy way of, of living to work because it has a really like fulfilling purpose and role in your life. So yeah, it was challenging for a little bit there though because I was like, I wanted to do this since I was 12. Why, why is this not making me happy anymore? Um, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, it is tricky because obviously you were working six days but you still had that one day you know, you didn't call it work, but you was doing the marketing, which is, I mean, in hindsight, would you look back at it and say, that's probably, you were actually working seven days a week.
1: Yeah. But I wouldn't have done any different, I think. Um, It's one of those things, I think, especially in our society and the way that we're all very like A-type personalities, we're like, oh, I've got to do things, got to get like progression. And in my mind, I was like, oh, if I work six days a week, compared to working three days a week i'm going to grow doubly as quickly um, but i very soon learned that that's not the case and it's interesting like again i'm such a cliche dentist i've taken up <laughs> golf and it's the same with golf for example if you go and have lessons done every single day you're not going to get any better um it's something that takes time and so like yeah it's a level of exposure but also if you're dragging and grinding yourself into the ground like that's not it's not productive for anyone it's another cliche, but I'm always like, you need to fill your cup up before you start filling other people's up or like filling other things. Because ultimately, like, if you're not in a good space, it's not going to work. You can make it work for so long, but then you hit a wall and you're just like, nah, I'm done. Like, this is not working.
0: Yeah, I understand. I think, I think um, someone else like American, was saying to me, at one point you know you might be working six days or you might be working five days and then if you take two days to doing cpd as well that's not really time off it's really Mm. you're still just working you know you really gotta have time to yourself to kind of just recoup and then um, build off and relax and unwind a little
1: yeah and i think sometimes we glorify as well like we look at people who are like oh i'm doing like six seven days a week and you're like oh you're crazy you're killing it it's like no you're killing yourself like it's just too much like I'm all for passion but yeah you have to do it in a sustainable way definitely
0: yeah yeah I mean then the other discussion is about for like recent graduates who want that Bugatti car you know up really quick or getting that nice house especially given this competitive Sydney environment you know yeah Um, working between you know that fine balance of uh, not living too far out of your means and all of that isn't it
1: And I think it's one of those things. I think you really need to hone down to ask yourself, why do you want those things? Why do you need those things? Like, not to be like a hippie, because I definitely like nice things, but it's like, are you doing this for you or are you doing this for something else? Like, yeah, I think it's, I think, again, another cliche. Will Smith, I'm not a big, like crazy Will Smith fan, but he has a very famous quote that's like, you spend all your life working to make money to buy shit for things that like to show people who don't really care about you or think about you that you're important or someone and it's like at the end of the day just be happy within yourself like it's everybody's too busy thinking about their own little world to be noticing what you're doing so yeah
0: that's right yeah so what would you say your current ideal clinical day kind of looks like you know the type of procedures you might be getting up to um
1: it's a mixed bag. I feel like that's the thing I like about dentistry. It's a variety. Um, it's interesting at the moment. Like, it depends on what's happening in the world as well. Um, <laughs> at the moment, I've had a lot of wisdom teeth extractions booked in because everyone's like, oh, I'm in lockdown. I've got some spare time. Looks like I'm going to get those eights taken out. So it's been good. Although it's interesting because you get so used to doing sort of checks and cleans and like restorations here and there. Um that when you start doing longer appointments back to back to back you realize the sort of clinical stamina that you need to have to be able to do that like i'll work alongside Fadi on a, a surgical day and he'll smash out like two upper arch and lower arch all on fours just like that and then i'm like on the floor after i've done like a back to back three <laughs> wisdom teeth like full removal <laughs> and i'm like oh gosh this is a lot um, but i think it's nice to have a mixture between Like some recalls, it's nice to have a little bit of like Invisalign thrown in there, maybe like a consult, a diagnostic. Um, It's nice to have like something lengthier as well. So you're not, because if you have just a day back to back of checks and cleans and reviews and planning, that sort of stuff, it almost becomes a bit like speed dating, like it's quite draining after a time. Um, which is I normally work my week. So I'm Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like my day of like admin, study, whatever the heck else I need to get up to, Um, Thursday and then Friday I'm clinical and then Saturday, Sunday, thankfully is mine. Um, Because realistically as a new grad, you're going to be Saturdays for a while. So I feel very blessed that I, uh, we still book people in on Saturdays sometimes if we're doing a lengthier procedure, but it just depends. Um, But yeah, I think having that mixture is a good thing. Because if you just do back-to-back really long appointments, you get very fatigued. Um, but then if you're doing lots of short ones as well, by the end of the day, you're like, I don't know how to small talk anymore. Like <laughs> I've forgotten like what day it is. Um, yeah. So I think I like the variety and uh, sometimes it's interesting to like, I'll do upgrades of, um, like different pros, like all in four for party as well, which is interesting. And it's something that like, we never learn about that at university. So it's really nice learning more about like Zerks and, just, it's like a big Meccano set it's really cool <laughs> so often like he'll have someone in his book who will be with him for part of it and then it will get sent over to me for part of it and then like we sort of work hand in hand too so it's really varied I like the variety
0: yeah that's cool you know you get to do you get to be part of that process you know it's not just he does it all and you know you still get to learn and work and along the way Yeah. So what do you kind of hope your ideal clinical or non-clinical day might look like in five years' time? And what kind of CPDs do you want to do to get get to that point?
1: Um, I think this year has been a very strong focus on the foundational stuff, like ortho massively. Um, I know Vandana with Boss Ortho does a really good course and Derek Mahoney does a really good conventional ortho course as well. Um, And then looking at like obviously working in a digital like DSD official clinic, DSD is our life, our blood, our breath. Um, So just really like honing in that process and understanding that clinically as well. Um, But I think in five years time, once I have those foundational aspects of like facial design, looking at smile, et cetera, then probably looking down the road of implants. But I think there's no rush in that necessarily. Like ideally I would love to be able to do all on four one day. Um, but it's one of those things. You have to get very proficient at individual implants first. And I think there's this real trend on Instagram at the moment in particular, like everyone's, veneers are old hat. Everyone's heard about veneers. Everyone does them now. Um, A lot of people are starting to move into this all-on-four space and it's an amazing transformative treatment, but it's also technically very, very challenging and you do need a lot of experience to do it well. And again, we see a lot of cases where when people have stuffed it up, we then see the patients. Um, and there's one case in particular recently that came to us that was, it was like really upsetting, to be honest, because this guy just hadn't had enough of an alveolectomy, And there was like this weird flange going on and he couldn't clean anything and the implants were failing. This poor guy has spent so much money, so much time being through that surgical process and he's just gotten this horrendous outcome. Um, so I think like going into that, I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing Really, really proficiently. Because even like you can have obviously the guides that show you where to place them and what to do. But it's once you've done that alveolectomy reduction and you've gotten into that space, the bone density can look like one thing. But once you actually start placing stuff, it's never quite what you expect. And you need to have that really sound understanding of how to mitigate those problems and how to react to get that outcome. Because you can't just be like, all right, I'll close it up and we can try another day. No, you have to get it done then. Um, so yeah, I would think that would be an interesting space, but I don't know if that's a five-year timeline or whether that's more a ten-year timeline. It's just something to build towards. Mm,
0: interesting. So we we were putting out some questions out there to the, the the Instagram and the Facebook community, and we got a question back, and it was, "Do you want to specialize or become a practice owner at some point?" <laughs>
1: uh, no, I don't want to specialize. <laughs> <laughs> hell no. no I have so much respect <laughs> for people who do that I've got a good friend who's specializing in perio and a good friend who's specializing in pros at the moment um and we need people like that in the world but I am not one of those people um I think the thing that I've really learned working alongside Fadi is that like as a generalist with the way that technology is going you can become quite proficient in a lot of different areas but then you also need to know when far like something is too much and too far and you need to send off and we need those people who do that all the time who are highly highly skilled and specialized in that region because you do get curly cases where you're like oh i don't know in terms of practice ownership that's an interesting one as well um i think business-wise my interests probably lie external to dentistry long term um, purely for the fact that i feel it's an interesting industry, like it's a bit of an arms race and there's a lot of corporatization. Um, FY Smile is a very unique place because Dr. Yasmin has built his reputation for years and years and he's just the best at what he does. Um, but he can exist the way that he does because he's so specialised, whereas gone are the days in my eyes of like your four chair suburban practice that everybody comes to it's just not really a thing as much anymore in country areas to an extent yes like i was actually planning when i graduated to go back and work in rural areas that went really differently (laughs) than what actually ended up happening um but yeah i think even in rural areas there is more corporate takeovers and it just depends whether you want to be a shareholder with them i that doesn't really necessarily appeal to me i think i'd rather have dentistry is my passion and then have like external businesses elsewhere um, yeah like I was mentioning to you before I run dog fan pages so I'm looking at the pet industry maybe in the future <laughs> random <laughs> um, but yeah I think that's life is a game and there's so many fun games that you can play like just explore and I think sometimes if you throw everything into one space it becomes your all or nothing and like you can become very tired and jaded from that whereas If you've got a lot of different things going on, like it keeps life really interesting. People ask me, oh, what are your hobbies? And I say work, which sounds really sad, but I love it because I'm doing so many different things all the time. It just keeps it interesting.
0: 100%, 100%. I think you have to be um, open to change and adapting. I don't think, um, yeah, like to your point, you know, what happens if one day COVID hits and then you can't be working every day? What are you going to be doing in that time, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. So um, I won't keep you up for too much longer. Uh, thank you, Dr. Amelia Judson, for coming on the show today. Um, if you could let the people know how they can reach out to you or what's kind of going on in your life.
1: Um. So probably the easiest place is just my Instagram page, Dr. Amelia Judson. Super original, I know. Email, not email. <laughs> Inbox me, DM me. I mean, email me if you want. I'm, I'm, I'm okay at replying to emails, but yeah, always around to I don't know what you would ask me, but if you want to ask me questions, go for it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thanks so much for having me on. This has been really fun. I've really enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) No, it was awesome having you. Have a good night. Bye. (laughs) If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.